Here we go. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast, where we share stories of personal transformation and life lessons through our experiences of traveling and exploring the world. Travel is the ultimate accelerator for personal growth, and it can be the root catalyst for the pivots and plot twists we make in our lives. I'm your host, Kelly Tolliday, and it's my mission to inspire you to live life to its fullest, travel with an open mind and heart, and let the world show you a new perspective. I'm so grateful you're here with us today, so let's dive right in. Happy exploring. Here we go. Yeah. Welcome, Evan. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. You've been a part of my community and my circle for a couple of years now, and it's just been so awesome to like see each other grow past, across the past couple of years and you know be able to see your journey. We're going to talk a lot about your book, which just came out, which just launched, and it's just been so cool. I remember when we had coffee maybe seven months ago, eight months ago, and with Chloe, uh, my business partner here at Rising Nature and your your personal private yoga teacher. Um, and you told us, like, I'm going to finish this book. I'm going to launch it right before we go on our Greece retreat, which you were a, a guest for. And we were like, yeah, hell yeah, Evan, let's do it. And here we are. I think we could spend this whole podcast talking about that Greece retreat. Oh, oh we will <laughs> definitely talk about the Greece retreat. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here and glad to have you and glad to support. Yeah, awesome. First, I just want to introduce you for, to those who are listening who don't know Mr. Snow, Mr. Evan Snow. Evan is a local arts advocate, community builder, and creative entrepreneur, and one of the proudest Broward County natives you will ever meet. I like to call him Mr. 954, Mr. Broward County. Uh, That pride has led him to furthering the Choose 954 social movement, and he created just a few short years ago to cultivate culture and community in his native Broward County. Snow has worked diligently to create new initiatives for our community to highlight the local creatives he's built relationships with over the years, that deserve a platform to be showcased. These initiatives have now included Art Fort Lauderdale, the Art Fair on the Water, Fort Lauderdale Art and Design Week, the Choose 954 Local Artist Discovery Series, the Creative Zen Series, and Zero Empty Spaces, among others. And I've personally been a attendee to Creative Zen and a speaker at Creative Zen. And it's just been so cool to like see you in action and see the community building and the arts and culture advocacy in action. I'd love to just open up a little bit for you to, you know, just introduce yourself. Like, where where are you from? Obviously, we know you're from Broward County. Just for those who have read their, his book, you know that he is very proud to be a Broward County native, specifically from Coral Springs. And now you're running the show around Pompano Beach, Fort Lauderdale, all around. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about you and, and we can go from there. Sure. I'm truly just a, a regular guy from Coral Springs that got insanely passionate about pursuing my passions to a point where they were able to become a profession for me. And I'd like to think if I was just a regular guy sitting at a desk working a nine to five job, made a series of choices to step outside of my comfort zone to unlock my hidden potential, then anybody in any path of life can, you know, unlock their hidden potential and pursue their passions. But ultimately, this really started for me with the love of food. Mm. I was considering moving to downtown Fort Lauderdale I was exploring, uh, this was in 2013, 2014, I was exploring more chef-inspired ref- restaurants, farm-to-table, craft food, tapas-style, before they were really popular. And I would take pictures of them and post them on this thing called Foursquare. It was like Vimeo. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, before Yelp, it was really a thing. And my friends would say they like the places that snow stops at. I go by my last name, not a big fan of my first name. So I got some inspiration, met a girl that told me about blogging at a training seminar. And I started Snowstop's food blog. 
And long story short, food blogging got me invited to go to events like tastings and pairings. Going to these events got me to meet marketing and PR people that produce these events. And then meeting those people made me realize, well, I could probably do these events too. And then around this time, I got some inspiration from a social movement in Memphis, Tennessee called Choose 901. And I came back from a trip to Memphis to the World Championship Barbecue Festival during their month-long Memphis in May. How fun. Where I saw the impact of this social movement. And I came back and I started Choose 954 to cultivate culture and community to keep people to know what the great things that are going on to make this a better place to live and not just a better place to vacation. And I love telling people, if I was able to start that with a cell phone and a hashtag, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody can do anything that they want to do. And, you know, the rest, thankfully, has been history since then. Yeah, I really appreciate you, one, sharing anyone can make an impact. You just have to have grit and hard work and resilience. And what I really love is a lot of people that I talk to talk about going to far-flung places and getting a lot of transformation through that process, which you have also had. But what I really love is you almost doing the reverse and being like, actually, no, everyone come here. Come where I live, where I live is really cool and like showcasing how amazing Broward County and South Florida really is. And one thing, one quote from your book that I really, really loved was, that you've always had an affinity. You said, I always had an affinity for local independent businesses over big corporate chains. I was beginning to witness how these local small businesses were the backbones of communities. And I wanted to further show and tell this story to my friends, families, and followers. It was becoming clear to me that the places I enjoyed visiting on my travels in cities like Austin, Nashville, and Asheville were a large part of what made the communities they were a part of great. And I wanted this for my native Broward County. And I think that's so cool that you noticed what made other cities that you like to travel to so great and then looked around at home and be like, wait, we have this too. How can I bolster this up and make Broward County, like you said, come vacation, come see it, but also come live here, especially people that grew up here, born and raised, went off to New York, California, Atlanta, Chicago, as most people do after they graduate either high school or college or start their careers. But really like, Like it's like the recruitment of bringing awesome people back home. And so what I really loved about that is, yeah, just showing like you don't have to go to far flung places to realize how amazing it is to be where you are sometimes and just take a look around. Along the journey, I'm sure there has been some roadblocks. I'm sure there's been some times where you've like butted up against roadblock after roadblock to make this what it is now. Can you describe a little bit of what that was like for you kind of going through that and having moments of, should I be doing this? Like starting a food blog in what, 2013, 2014, you know, that road to what it is now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I can tell you on the tail end of that story, mindfulness helps. Yes. And forever grateful for Chloe for helping instill yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and, and my daily habits and routines and rituals to help me overcome roadblocks as they come up for everybody. You know, you would think if you were doing an art fair that bears the city's name, that was unlike anything else, doing an art fair inside of mansions that people could only get to on a boat, the city would want to get involved, the county would want to get involved, the business community would want to get involved. And, you know, they they did in terms of they want to support it in, you know, in theory and, and give you a nice pat on the back. But that's not how Art Basel and all the other major art fairs and, and events and platforms run. They're underwritten by sponsorship. They need community support. So there, though, the lack of support definitely prevent, presented a, a bunch of roadblocks for me and my business partner 
as we were trying to grow these initiatives, bootstrapped, self-funded, passion projects, labors of loves as private citizens working to elevate our communities, artists and creatives and culture. But thankfully, we're just very resourceful and determined individuals, myself and my business partner, Mr. Andrew Martineau. And we were dedicated to this mission that we set out for. And, you know, if we were going to, if we were going to wait for a check to come, we might still be waiting. So instead of what a lot of people do, either wait to get funding or they cry about not getting funding on all the typical things in the startup struggle, we just decided to put our head down and grind and, and persevere. And, you know, thankfully we're very resourceful. My business partner is a Swiss army knife of skills, branding, PR, logo, website, so on and so forth. And we balance ourselves out rather well in terms of getting the deliverables done that we didn't need to rely on the traditional resources like a marketing agency, a public relations agency, an advertising agency. We had our own agency. We have our own agency. So we did all of the things that normally you'd have to pay for. We did them ourselves, A, to absorb the cost to get over that those roadblocks and startup struggles of not having funding, but B, also to control the messaging and make sure that it was very specific, staying on brand to our authentic and altruistic and genuine nature of of community building. Mm. Yeah. And and so speaking that community building, I mean, not a lot of kids grow up thinking I'm going to be a community builder and an arts advocate, right? And for those who read his book, Learning to Choose, you'll learn of your story growing up and kind of finding yourself and potentially just choosing different paths that, that got you into trouble. And not really knowing where you wanted to go, right? At, at multiple times in the book, you talk about how your guidance counselors, people in your life say, you know, Evan has all the potential in the world. It's just not getting utilized right now. And I'd love to just hear like where this passion for community building really came about. Also in the book, you'll read that there's, I believe, seven pivotal moments in your life about choosing different paths. And one of those paths that really opened up your mind to this world of community and arts and culture was going to Wynwood and saying yes to an adventure with your friend down in Wynwood, which is about, for those that don't know, maybe like an hour, hour and a half south of, of where we live now. Um, so it is still a bit, it's a bit of an adventure to get down to Miami. For those who live in Broward County, you know, it is an adventure to get down there. Um, so could you talk a little bit about that, you Glad know, saying to. yes to that and how that changed, changed the trajectory of your life? It was 2014 and it was the second year of an art, music, and technology festival, which is now celebrating its 10th year. And I had no idea what it was at the time, but it was something called Three Points. And a, a friend that I admired greatly, as I outlined in the book, for his nightlife adventures and the way that he viewed life as a cancer survivor and World Series of Poker champion poker player, He, we were starting to hang out more at this time. And he goes, we're going to go to a place in Miami to go see this guy. And I had no idea what he was referring to. And the place was Three Points at Maps Backlot in Wynwood, which is one of the coolest like underground venues of all time. And the guy was this Australian singer, Chet Faker, oh, yeah. who changed his name to Nick Murphy and then apparently changed it back to Chet Faker, but <laughs> a legendary musician. And going there, that was my first real foray into Wynwood. And when it was in its very early raw underground stage and, and days, which is a memory that I'll never forget because when would, you know, it's changed a little bit, but it's still a cool place to be. Yeah. Yeah. But 
really just immersing myself in the culture, the people watching, the musicians. I mean, they had some of the best DJs, Nico Jar, K Trinata, uh, you know, just so many legendary musicians were there. The vibes, the curation, the set design, the user experience, the art was just unlike anything I had ever seen before. And that initial taste really developed a, a yearning, a, a desire for wanting to just have more of these experiences. And that was in um, October of 2014. And then when December came around, now I'm starting to follow more of like the new times and some of like the arts and culture sections and newspapers and magazines and stuff like that. And I'm starting to hear more about this Art Basel thing, which I had never experienced. You know, it had been around by, at that point for about 12 years, but I was just a regular Johnny 9 to 5 guy, you know, going to the sports bar, watching the Hurricanes games and the Heat basketball games. So I posted on Facebook, does anybody want to go to Art Basel? Nobody responded. And I made the best choice of my life to get in the car and drive down to Wynwood. I didn't make it more than two blocks. I saw everything I needed to see. And that choice and that first Art Basel Miami Art Week Wynwood experience where I went for the art, not just for the music event, that changed my life. And I'm forever grateful for myself, for everybody that played a role in inspiring me and encouraging me to go and all these things and pursue my passions because that changed the course of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And just being able to say yes to what is like a seemingly small little mini adventure going down and seeing one DJ down in Wynwood and then it just sparked a revolution within you that led to all these other choices that you've had to make. And for those listening, I highly recommend you read the book Learning to Choose so you can see what all of those all of those amazing choices and plot twists that happen in Evan's life. But what you can really see through the common thread of the book is that they are leaps of faith. Every single one is a leap of faith of do, doing or going somewhere that you had never been before. And that's really what traveling, whether it's traveling physically, geographically, or traveling like traversing the mind and traversing from one mindset to the next mindset or from one level of yourself to another level of yourself. This episode is sponsored by Rising Nature Retreats. Are you feeling called to explore the world, tick off your bucket list, and make lifelong friends along the way? Are you overwhelmed from planning the logistics of your trips or sick of feeling like you need a vacation from your vacation when you return home? Rising Nature Retreats offers world-class travel experiences infused with daily yoga and wellness, personal development workshops, unique adventure and cultural excursions, and holistic local cuisines. Experience the world as you elevate your wellness. Return home feeling rejuvenated and empowered to bring what you learn about other cultures and about yourself back home with you. This is the adventure you've been waiting for. Join us in 2024 to explore Thailand, Portugal, or Greece. Visit risingnatureretreats.com or at risingnatureretreats on Instagram and Facebook for all the brochures and information on upcoming international retreats and local classes and events in South Florida. So one of the things you talk a lot about of, and we, we've kind of touched on this, was cementing Broward County as a premier arts and culture destination in the world. Uh, Miami has cemented itself with Art Basel, with all the culture that was happening down there, and now it was time for Broward County to really shine its light. And you talk about the art fairs that you've done, you've created Creative Zen Mornings for, you know, just anyone really working professionals, artists, anyone to come in and get uh, monthly doses of inspiration. And you also talk about zero empty spaces in the book, which is a way to be able to promote and show 
artists, up and coming artists, and being able to give them spaces where they wouldn't necessarily be able to get space in an art gallery, they're now able to utilize these empty retail spaces. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's really bolstered the art community here in Broward County? Sure. If artists don't have space to create and collaborate, be discovered, collected, shown, and all the things that are you know needed to be professional full-time artists, then they're going to have to leave to go other places. And you should be able to be a full-time professional artist in a place like Broward County where there is no shortage of money and, and disposable Absolutely. discretionary income. Yeah. You know, there's big houses, there's small houses, there's medium-sized houses. All of those houses have walls and all those walls need art. I just found, you know, it, it is, a, as you know, it is a place that's very big on hospitality and tourism and art just was not really part of the master plan. So I saw the success of art and how art can transform communities in places like Wynwood and Miami, Soho, you know, Bushwick, Brooklyn, Nashville, Nashville, Austin, all these places where it really was art. If it was art of music or if it was visual art and murals that they were able to transform communities. And we were having a little bit of an emergence of that when I started getting involved in 2015, but it wasn't being marketed. It wasn't being storytelled. You know, there there was an art walk in in Fat Village, which is now Flat Village, but that was getting tens of people, dozens of people initially. Yet the one in Wynwood was getting tens of thousands of people. Mm. And I really just felt if we could show people through this visual storytelling thing, which at the time Facebook Live was just coming out, and Facebook was really putting a lot of uh, onus and giving a lot more reach to this Facebook Live feature if you used it. Mm. So I was really like becoming a Facebook Live junkie. And if you look back on my Facebook from then, you would see I would just go live at all these random things to show people better than I could tell them. And it was really that initial impetus of just even having people, even if they didn't look at the actual visual context and content itself, just seeing, okay, he's promoting the arts again. Now he's promoting the arts here. He's promoting it in Pompano. Now he's promoting it in Hollywood. Now he's promoting it in Fort Lauderdale. Really caught people's perspectives and really cha- helped them change their perspective about, okay, maybe I should support the arts. Maybe these artists do need support. You know, Maybe my business can buy a piece of artwork from a local artist for their office instead of going to Ikea or Michael's. Yeah. And it was those initial just advocating and storytelling and promoting the arts that by the time we gathered enough social capital and enough traction that we were able to reach out to the mayor, Dean Trantellis, mayor of Fort Lauderdale, supporter of the program, one of the first openly gay mayors of a major city who is a big fan of the arts and say, hey, we want to do this thing. We want to put artists in vacant spaces to make affordable working artist studios so they have a space to create and collaborate. And because of all the work that I had done up until that point with Andrew, he trusted us enough to connect us with Mike Weymouth, the owner of Lost Souls Company. And, you know, we always heard Mike was a tough cookie. He is a tough cookie. Took him three minutes, said, sure, I'll give you space. And and thankfully, that was how we started Zero Empty Spaces. And it's led to 29 locations over the last four years. We're now in three states. We've had over 400 artists come through the program. We've changed hundreds of artists' lives thousands of times over. And I never would have imagined when I set out with my cell phone and a hashtag that we'd be opening art studios in a former Burberry store next to Louis Vuitton in the largest mall in New England. Yeah, it's amazing. And and speaking of being in a different state, you've opened up in Massachusetts and then you just recently took a trip 
for zero empty spaces to California, correct? Correct. Yeah. Could you talk about that trip for yourself? Sure. I'd well, love to I, hear I your experience. I literally just got back last night. Yeah. Um, like he's like hours off the plane right now. <laughs> I'd love to do it. We'll only live once. So we got involved. I was promoting a concept that we still promote it called the creative economy and kind of like storytelling how creatives, you know, play into the overall economy. So we were promoting that for a few years. And then I found out just a year and a half ago about another niche called placemaking taking a, a place, a vacant space, a plot of land, empty storefront, and, and you know doing good with it, making it a place. So I connected with these leading placemaking organizations, Placemaking US, Placemaking X, and they're going on trips where they go around certain parts of the country and, and the world, um, highlighting projects, connecting resources to governments and different agencies, different passionate community people similar to myself. Um, and a couple months ago, I went on my first one with Ryan Smore, uh, the initiator, the organizer of Placemaking US, where we went uh, on a train trip via Amtrak through the Rust Belt. I flew into Chicago, oh, wow. met a couple of people there, took a train to Fort Wayne, saw some projects that he helped support and connect dollars and resources for there, went to Erie, Pennsylvania, went to Rochester, New York, went to Hudson, New York, and back to Brooklyn and flew home. And it really keyed me into a, a whole realm of this community building creative entrepreneurship, creative economy that I wasn't really privy to previously. So then he created another trip, which I just came back on, which was Placemaking Baja Weekend. And I'm going to read, because and this wasn't even all of it, of what we did, but it's essentially, you know, once again, connecting resources, highlighting and storytelling successful projects, creating inspiration for future projects, bringing in more collaborators and more people with resources. Like we have, we're a creative placemaking specialist taking vacant spaces making affordable working artist studios. The folks that we connected with and collaborate with in Mexico, they're phenomenal at lighter, quicker, cheaper parks. And while our parks cost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars mm -hmm. to create in Broward County and in Florida, they can do a park for like $10,000 and have it be just as good. Wow. And they do it with community buy-in and support. So I'm going to read for you the post. It's on my Instagram, but this will just kind of summarize what this last trip involved. We crossed over to Tijuana and we went through Baja, California and Sonata, Mexico and Tijuana. We visited several placemaking interventions, which are activations and place experts in following locales. This was including, but not limited to, they're not all mentioned, the university of basically of their architecture. And they highlighted a project called Director of Mover La Ciudad Colectivo of, of architects that are activating vacant space in bus terminals and transit terminals. We visited some artist studios in Rike Siapara and Austin Wizard. We visited Tijuana Cultural Center. We visited murals on the border wall on the Tijuana side at, at Playa de Tijuana on the beach, where the beach is literally divided by a, a border wall between San Diego and, and Tijuana. It's crazy, but there are murals on the border side. We visited Hotel Caesars, which was where the Caesar salad was invented. We visited Carmelita Restaurant and Galleria by a walk-in trained chef who's now bringing that flavor closer to Tijuana where they don't have as many great culinary options at that level. Visited Park La Amistad in Playa de Tijuana where there were people that were doing great things in the community on the border side that you never hear in the news. Visited other parks, pop-up parks, pocket parks. Visited the lobster town of Puerto Nuevo, which was one of the most amazing places and sunsets I've ever seen. And just a couple other stops, downtown Ensenada and Valle de Guadalupe wine country. We visited a winery called Vinos Plata. It was just really cool to meet these people, hear their story, hear how proud they are 
see what they're doing with very limited means and resources in a very poor country, um, but how they're able to craft their lives and fulfill their purpose and passion. So I love this placemaking thing. We're going to get more involved and try to get more cities involved, not just with the zero empty spaces, but a lot of the things you mentioned are transferable uh, platforms that we can deliver and coach and consult other cities on how to form an art week, an art fair, a beer week, a beer festival, creative Zen podcast, action club, and all the other things we do are placemaking initiatives that I'm now very supercharged and inspired to share as we kind of go around the country and now the world with people that are interested in tapping into our network of resources with zero empty spaces and otherwise. I mean, absolutely. I, I just, it, to me, it's almost like the reverse of travel where someone, uh, a tourist, let's say, goes into a space, into a city. I want to take what I can get from this situation. I want to get all the food and the experience and everything, which is nothing wrong with that. I obviously love going and exploring. But then you leave, right? And you've taken what you can get from the situation and then you go home. Whereas you're almost reverse engineering this and saying, wait, we want to make these cities great, right? Like I want to go in and help bolster and like you said, like supercharge these cities so that they become destinations that people want to go. And really, some of the top destinations in the world, people think, like, let's say, Berlin, they think Paris, they think Rome, they think Miami, you think of the arts, you think of the culture. So what you're doing is you're going in and you're supercharging these cities to become destinations, you're super supercharging counties, to become destinations that people want to go visit, spend their economic dollar, boost, bolster the economy, And also be able to bolster the confidence of these artists that just might not have had a break or a good enough break to be able to make it in. So I love what you're doing. I think it's so important for the travel industry, for all of these cities around the country and now the world. And I'm really excited to see what you do with that and how, if anything, that Rising Nature Retreats can do to help help promote that. I'm so excited. This is just like speaking about traveling. It seems like it's a really big part of your life and how these pivotal moments of visiting Memphis and getting the idea for Choose 954 and visiting all these cities where you really realize the importance of local economy, that fueled your desire to, like I said, bolster Broward County's presence on the art map. And now through placemaking and through zero empty spaces, you're helping all these cities around the world. What was one of your first few experiences of traveling where you're like, wow, I'm I'm changed by this or I like or you realize that travel was always going to be an important part of your life? I waited to leave the country for the first time until I was 32 years old. I thought I was waiting for future Miss Snow to go on this international journey with. She still hasn't come yet, but maybe she's listening <laughs> to this podcast. I went on birthright to Israel, which is a free mm-hmm. trip that mm-hmm. if you're born Jewish, you get to go on. And when I was growing up, it was only up to Initially, it was 21, maybe 22. Then they made like a trip for 27-year-olds. And then I, it was not safe to go, unfortunately, when I was younger. At that time, that I was thinking about going. And then they made this trip for 32-year-olds, and I was 32. And that trip absolutely blew my mind because it's very well-structured, very well-organized. They have the tour guide. They have the army guard with you. You're safe. And, you know, you get to see, you know, the, the highlights of Israel in, in a week, which was phenomenal. So that trip definitely definitely opened my eyes to other cultures and seeing a completely different part of the world for my first time out of the country. Um, though I'd probably say the first trip I did to Europe, I went to the Netherlands and I went to Amsterdam and seeing the Van Gogh Museum and seeing their culture and how the bicycles mm-hmm. just so smoothly interact and everybody's just going and sinking in unison. And then going to visit an artist friend of mine who 
participate in the art fair that lives in Genova, Italy, which is a small port town where Christopher Columbus was from, but they don't like to mention that, just south of Milan. And just seeing like that culture juxtaposed of then we went after that to Venice for the Venice Biennale, the longest running art fair in the world, to see that culture, that that trip to Europe really then, because, you know, Israel is a very unique place and has its own struggles and challenges. But Europe, I was like, wow, this is like, this is done at a very high level, you know, for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Food is obviously amazing. You know, the culture and like having the coffee and, and sitting around the the city square, the town square was just a really eye-opening experience for me. And I'd like to think I learn and grow from all of these travels and experiences. And when I travel, I like to get inspiration and try to infuse that back into some of the work that we do in the community. And definitely, you know, those trips played pivotal roles in inspiring me. And the last one that we could talk about more, but and Chloe reminded me when we were in Seraphos that going to Tulum, I discovered yoga on the beach in Tulum. Mm. And that obviously changed the course of my life. So I'm forever grateful for for that trip. Yeah. So let's dive into that trip. I'd love that. So you went to Tulum with a friend. This is also a story that's in the book. Nonprofit. To choose yep. as well with a nonprofit that you're working with. And you're sitting on the beach and a friend turned to you and said. So <laughs> we're flying the drone. I had this little hobby making time lapse photos in the morning. Get done with all my batteries. The nonprofit partner went to go explore some ruins that were about a 30-minute walk. And her friend, who I had just met the day before, he was 10 years younger than me. I was 35 at the time. He was 25 at the time. Nice kid. Turned, said the words to me that changed my life. Said, you want to do some yoga? Yeah. And I said, sure. And he was not a teacher. He was just a yoga practitioner. Did a couple sun salutations, a couple down dogs. And we were on the go a lot that trip. And I just remember instantly feeling better, just like instantly feeling like more like fluid. And, and I had just moved into this beautiful brand new building in downtown Fort Lauderdale called Society Las Olas with a 25th floor green space, wraparound panorama view of all of Broward County. And somehow the universe placed this beautiful soul, your business partner, <laughs> Chloe Ravel, aka the Gemini Rising, into this building to make free yoga offerings available. And the way the story goes, at this time, I had just met another girl that lived in the building that I saw was going to yoga. She was rather attractive. So I reached out to Chloe and said, hey, while well, I'm in Tulum still, hey, Chloe, could you put in a good word for me with this girl? And Chloe said, the next series of words that changed the course of my life, come to yoga. Mm. And long story short, the girl evaporated, the yoga stuck. One class led to two classes, led to she was teaching samples. And then as we as I'm developing a love for yoga and unlearning and, you know, mindfulness and all those things, I was spending more time with Chloe. And then that fortunately led to me making another great choice after choosing yoga was choosing to engage Chloe in coaching to help me take my life and daily routines and habits and rituals and practices to the next level. She helped me develop my morning routine, morning flow, which I do every single day. And really those choices really helped elevate my life to the next level because to be your best, you have to feel your best so you could do your best. And I was struggling. I mean, I, I have diabetes. So I had just been recently diagnosed with diabetes at that time, actually at the beginning of the pandemic. So I needed to take my health and wellness a little bit more seriously. Everybody was dealing with self-care and burnout and the pandemic in their own regard. And thankfully, these tried and true resources, habits, rituals, best practices really provided so much 
growth, comfort, relief to my life that I'm forever grateful for yoga and obviously for Chloe. Yeah, absolutely. And and that journey of yoga led you to going on a retreat to Greece with Rising Nature Retreats this past summer, which from my perspective was such a transformative experience for so many people just by observing Greek culture. I, I walked away with that thinking, wow, of course, the yoga was amazing. The sound healing was amazing. The workshops we did were great. But really just that like pure immersing ourselves in the Greek culture, I think everyone walked away being like, wow, how can I be more like this? How can I slow down and enjoy everything? So what was that like for you? I know it's not your first yoga retreat that you've been no, on. it was. Oh, it was. Okay. I thought you had gone down to Costa Rica before. Yeah? I went to my friend owns a yoga retreat. Oh, I see. But we just stayed. I practiced at the yoga retreat okay. at Blue Osa. But, like um, your first. This like, is my full, first. Yeah. yeah. Trip. Yeah. Correct, correct. Organized yoga retreat. Yes. Awesome. So, like, so what was that experience like? Especially you don't hear of too many men right now, especially at, le at least in our community, going on a yoga retreat. So I just love to hear from your perspective sure. coming into that. So as I've got to Athens to before we went to the island of Seraphos and I reconnected with a woman, an old friend who had, who had volunteered at my events, she mentioned, and she is Greek and her family lives in Greece. She had mentioned something to me about slow living and the slow movement of really just how the Greeks value and nurture the land, value and nurture each bite of food and really just how that ultimately helps them live more, you know, longer, enjoyable, fruitful lives as a concept and a theory. So I, that was like starting to ruminate my mind. And, and this, this woman really, really blew my mind on multiple fronts when we had coffee right before I left for Greece. So I'm already like, wow, this slow living thing, I, I like this in theory. Then to see it on this island of 800 people where it was not Mykonos and it was not Santorini. Mm. This was a, a, of the 600 plus or however many, 600 plus islands. Oh, in the Greek in island Gre chain? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundreds. Yeah. yeah. So of the hundreds of islands, you know, this was one small, absolutely beautiful island where they did value the land, you know, where they are, they are very conscious, very thoughtful, very intentional, very kind. But the, obviously the resort, Hotel Rizes was beautiful. I mean, the entire island was beautiful. The views, the horror, the the town on top of the hill mm. was beautiful. We've got great drone shots if you want to go see it yeah. on our on Instagram. So that part was beautiful. But then the experience of being with you guys, and as you alluded to, it was all primarily women, with the exception of my one of my best friends and mentors, Juan, was just really, I mean, like serendipitous and synchronicity are the words that come up, and it was just very aligned. But that doesn't really do it justice when we got off the ferry, getting in the van to go to the resort. I mentioned to Chloe a term that Deborah Dell uses in the Yamas and the Niyamas, which I just finished as part of a book club, where she talks about seeing things with new eyes. And similar to how that first Winwood experience was mind-blowing and eye-opening for me, this first Greek island experience was equally as just mesmerizing, mind-blowing, just looking at the landscape, uh, looking at how crystal clear and blue the water was. And it was, I think everybody's everybody's energy being heightened and elevated to be on this trip and experience contributed a certain factor of the 
like the nostalgia of it. It was almost like we were having FOMO, but we were there. Yeah. And we like, I, I just, I never felt that way. It was truly a once of a lifetime trip and experience. I'll never be able to recreate. I never want to recreate that first time being in this land, you know, with you guys, with how important, you know, Chloe's been to me and my work and my transformation, how important Juan, as who's been outlined in this book extensively, has been to my life and my development and my journey and you as well. And just to be there in that environment and soaking that all in all in, and going there with the intention of improving myself and furthering my yoga practice, this being my first proper yoga retreat was really, I mean, a once of a lifetime experience. I don't think I'll ever be able to top, but I'm willing to try. <laughs> so I'm forever grateful for that experience, that time that we shared, the meals, the conversations, the connections, the people we met, Pablo's, you know, yeah, every. Everything was great, except for the pillows at the yoga that one time, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> we don't want the, uh, the, the hotel to come at us for the pillows, so <laughs> if you know, you know. This episode is brought to you by Child & Company. Child & Company is South Florida's first family-friendly office space featuring private offices, a professional content creation studio, and childcare for hybrid work and work-from-home parents located in Boca Raton. Child & Company is founded on the belief that you shouldn't have to choose between raising a family and being career-driven. Their core mission is to create an environment where family and work can exist in harmony. The best part to me as a mom is that you can pop in and breastfeed your baby or have lunch with your toddler if you like and then pop back into your office for your Zoom meeting, which I think is so key, especially for newborn moms going back to work. It's the perfect transition from emerging out of the newborn bubble and getting back to the business you love. Child & Company provides you the flexibility to work in a beautifully designed, ergonomic private office with insanely good Wi-Fi connection and soundproofing while just being steps away from your child. They have monthly themes that they base their lessons on, like exploring the animals of the Amazon, which I obviously love when children get opportunities to learn more about the world and build a sense of curiosity. Child & Company offers weekly and monthly classes and events like Zambini, music class for babies, mindful cooking for toddlers, big kid yoga, and mindful mama community events, and so much more. I've been a member since February, 2023, utilizing their private offices and their professional content creation studio. Child & Company is where all of the magic happens for this podcast. Their beautiful recording studio is soundproofed with state-of-the-art equipment, microphones, lighting, and cameras. So you can record your podcast, course content, meditation clips, and anything else you might want to record for your business. The Child & Company team truly feels like family. They are an extension of my team over here at Rising Nature Retreats and the Transform with Travel podcast, as well as an extension of my own family. If you're local to Palm Beach and Broward County, do yourself a favor and check out Child & Company. Visit www.childandcompany.com or head over to Instagram at Child & Company. Oh, those who are <laughs> listening. <so. laughs> Um, well, one, we just so appreciated having you there and, and sharing your story. Evan actually was able to do like a little specialty workshop at breakfast going through his story. And it was really the the first launch of his book tour was yep. in Greece. So he had his first book tour was international. So it was really awesome. Everyone could hear your story and get to know you a little bit better. And just hearing you talk about this experience, it reminds me of another quote in your book where you said, I'm, I'm always a seeker of experiences. And I really love that phrase 
because not everyone is. Not, not everyone is seeking discomfort. Not everyone is seeking to get outside their comfort zone. And it's not out of disinterest. It's just more mainly out of fear. So could you just give everyone listening a little bit of what goes into your mind when you get an opportunity to do something you've never done before, be it start a new art fair or say yes to your first yoga retreat? What's your mindset like to be able to overcome some of those fears? Something about the unknown kind of excites me that it is unfamiliar, that it is something new, similar to going to this far, far away land of Seraphos, Greece, and just like not knowing what's on the other side, but knowing there's the potential for something to be beautiful. And maybe, yes, certain things don't work out every time, but you won't know unless you try. And I, once again, made a series of choices to step outside of my comfort zone and really venture more into that unknown space and really put myself in situations where I'm go- it's either going to go one, one of two ways. I'm either going to level up, progress, and move forward, or it's not going to work out if you want to call that f- failing, if you want to call that flirting, you fail, but you learn. Learning. I that's like a, that. That's an accent term. <laughs> we'll talk about accent Is club. it? Oh, cool. Um, but those, you know, taking the step, taking the leap, and trying something that you've never tried before, for me, I don't want to say that that's what gives me my oxygen because I think helping support people and level up people, especially those that are close to me and in my community, that's really what gives me my oxygen to keep going. But that's kind of what gives me the excitement of stepping. Like I had never been to that part. I've been to Tulum, but I'd never been to Baja, California. I'd never been to Tijuana. I never crossed the border on foot. But that, that really excited me. And now I have a whole new purview and perspective of a different part of the world, different cultures. I learned so much in Southern California about intergenerational trauma Mm. of people that have been persecuted and, you know, uh, other things that we don't want to talk about right now, but that now I didn't know that that was going to be part of the trip, but that experience has now given me that much more information on my journey to help open up my purview that much more so then I can make probably better informed decisions, you know, moving forward as I continue to progress in life. Yeah. That's incredible. I think that could really be helpful for people to just remember like leaning. What my teacher Mark always says is, how can you make the excitement bigger than the fear? And the more that you start to, we talk about this in, I've I've mentioned this episode before, but in episode two with Kelly Fisher, who you also know through Creative Zen, she talks about pocketing experiences and being able to like build up, pocketing the experiences to remember that something good is around the corner and also pocketing experiences of like, I survived something challenging. And that's what it seems like travel's really been able to do for you. The last little bit that I'd love to talk about is you've mentioned helping others gives you oxygen. So this altruism, and you you talk about your first interaction truly of, of understanding the impact of altruism, not just for your community, but also what it gives to you. How has this been such a driver for you? This, this striving for altruism, striving to, you know, just impact not just your own family, but the people beyond you. And we can maybe dive a little deeper into what Accent Club has helped you do within that altruism as well. Sure. Well, I'm forever grateful for my business partner, Andrew, for for various things. But ultimately, he keyed me into this altruism. And the way that it was initially kind of described to me that I understand it, it's doing good without having your hand out, hoping and expecting anything in return. And when you sign up to be an advocate for the arts and the arts and artists don't always have means and resources to show their thanks and gratitude or or pay. Um, You you need to 
you know, A, you, you need to be mindful of that. And you need your ROI, your return on investment to come in other forms other than just money and, and things like that. It's been the most rewarding and fulfilling experience of my life to have artists that I've set out to support. Not, I didn't set out to support this one individual artist or this other individual artist. I set out to support artists because art had a profound impact on my life. Going to Wynwood, having these experiences enriched me so much culturally and experiences and culture that I wanted to, once again, as you so eloquently alluded to, I wanted to create that and provide that for my community. So the fact that I've been able to do that and the fact that by doing what I want to do, what I set out to do on my own terms, the fact that that's been able to change people's lives, help people meet their spouses and partners, start new businesses, you know, do things they never thought they would do has really provided more ROI for me in terms of enrichment of food, fruit for my soul than, than anything else. I knew that there's nobody else was stepping up to do this work at this level for my community, for our community in Broward County. And I didn't feel, you know, nobody obligated me to do it. Andrew didn't obligate me to do it either. We chose to do it. But I knew that by doing, I, I mean, I never would have known by setting out to do that, that I'd be going to Seraphos, Greece, that I'd be going to Tijuana and, you know, South, South California. But I knew by doing that, something good is going to come out of it. And I love that if you are a good, authentic, genuine person and you're doing things with the right intention and the right purpose, that you know, it might not come back to you immediately. It might take a little while to boomerang its way back to you. But hopefully, you know, the law of averages, the way things balance out in the world, good things will come back to you. And thankfully, through the creation and relaunch of Action Club, which is a goal-setting accountability mini mastermind group that we ran for a couple of years up until COVID and then just resumed recently since COVID, you know, we've been able to provide invaluable support to hundreds of people to achieve thousands of goals that have made amazing life-changing impacts on more people's lives than, than they'll ever even tell me, all by me seeing an article in the New Tropic about this guy, Dynamo, that started a club to help people become millionaires by the age that they're 35, if that's what their goal was. And me reaching out to him, say, hey, could you bring this up to Fort Lauderdale? Him saying yes, one of the few people I ever reached out to in Miami that said yes about bringing their Miami thing up to Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. And just the, the, how that all kind of developed organically and has just yielded some of my best friendships, some of the best experiences in my life with people from various different backgrounds, walks of life. Like I just, if you would ask me seven years ago, eight years ago, would we be sitting here having this conversation? Would I be telling you this coming off a plane from friggin'? LAX. Yeah. I could never could have imagined. Never would, would have thought you were lying. Yeah. Can't make this stuff up. And that's the beauty, right? Just trusting that the dots will connect later down the line and just keep on <laughs> connecting. You just kept with your mission and kept with your mission and kept with your mission and your why and it unfolds. And the very, very last thing that I'll I'll close with is this quote, the last quote that I saw in your book that I think can resonate with everyone was the best things that didn't happen to me was probably the best thing to happen to me. And I think that like just totally rounds out the whole conversation of not everything's going to go to plan. That's especially true when you travel. That's especially true when you launch new initiatives that your area, your city has never seen before. 
And you have to trust that, well, yes, it might be disappointing when things don't go the way they're supposed to or the way that you wanted it to. You have to trust that the reroute is bigger than what you can imagine. And I think that is what we're seeing now as you hold, he's holding the physical copy of his labor of love of his book, Learning to Choose in his hand. So I'm just going to give you these last like few moments before we end with quick rapid fire questions that I end every episode with. So just like last little spot for you to say how people can connect with you online, talk about your book and, and then we can wrap up. By all means, I'm an open book. You can find me on social media. Literally, your book is open. It's open. Right? <laughs> uh, at EvanSnow13, learningtochoose.com, zeroemptyspaces.com, all the social medias I answer. I did just want to share just one of the learning lesson sections because this is this book's not, I mean, it is a story of some of my life, but it's more the learning lessons. So each chapter ends with questions that I pose back on the reader. Um, and this one, I'm just to give you some context and a little preview. This chapter was about learning to choose helping others. And the learning lessons were, have you ever done a random act of kindness, mentored someone you had the ability to support, joined a mini mastermind group like Action Club to help support random peers with your goals and their goals? Help is out there and available and help is on the way if you're present and show up for it. I encourage you to give someone in whom you see potential a piece of positive feedback, solicited or not, because you never know how that spark could light a fire inside of them to change their life, their community, or even change the world. And that's a true story. Boom. There it is. <laughs> that's rapid fire. All right. Rapid fire. Number one, if you could only go back to one country or city or place for the rest of your life, just one one place, where would it be and why? Uh, well, now Greece. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much to explore, the culture, the food, the land. And the slow living way of life. Yeah. Close second, I, I would like to explore more Turkey, but that's a far second. Greece is kind of like a little bit of a cheater because there's like hundreds of islands to explore. So you're like, I could visit a new island every month and still not go everywhere. So I love that answer because you got all the different all the different geographical locations in that one. Number two is what's number one on your bucket list right now? I'd like to... I'd like to make enough money so that I could do the things I want to do. And the things I want to do involve more philanthropy and giving back and just being able to shell out money to create what I want to create Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about funding. That is actually the top of the bucket list. Love it. Number three is what is the biggest lesson, life lesson that you've learned while traveling? Don't drink the water. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really good one, though. To be, I guess, to be really to be open minded to new possibilities and new different ways of life and like, you know, trying things that you would never have tried before. For some reason, like my inhibitions go down so much when I travel and I'm like, sure, I'll do this thing that I would never do at home. But because we're here and maybe we're drinking, you know, (laughs) now I'll do it. So I think just like that and also just like learning, actually, probably looking being able to look at people from different backgrounds, even if you don't speak the same language, like we're all human beings. We're all, we all started at zero. We all started at the same place. Some people just were born at a different time period in a different culture with different parents that maybe had different resources and they were able to navigate a different walk of life. But we all started at zero. We all put our, you know, shoes on, pants on, clothes on the same way. And just to remember that, you know, common thread that connects us is we are all human. 
Yeah, I think it's so beautiful. It just opens up your mind and your heart to compassion and just knowing that just because you might not eat the same foods or pray the same way that, you know, we're, we all are the same. We all are united. So the last one is what is one piece of advice you'd give to an aspiring explorer? Well, the best piece of advice that Juan ever gave me that I seem to find myself mentioning more often than not is you can't be everything to everyone. That applies n- in a lot of situations, not necessarily this question, but to an explorer, I'm not going to say something cliche like don't take the road less traveled. Like, no, actually don't take the road less traveled. Take the road that's traveled and safe. But, you know, just be will- be be willing to step outside your comfort zone to make those choices, to do things that you might not have thought you would do. Obviously, you could research them. You could ask, you know, phone a friend, stuff like that. Make sure that it is something safe. As I outlined in the book, beautiful things lie outside your comfort zone. So just at least be willing to float in the Dead Sea if you're in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Say yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I think our listeners are going to be so stoked to hear from you and hopefully running to go grab your book. (laughs) And I can't wait to just continue to see your journey and all the amazing things and maybe a future retreat together. Yes. We'll see you you on the flip side. Yes. Portugal 2024. (laughs) There we go. Everyone run to at Rising Nature Retreats and go check it out. (laughs) Thanks, Evan. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Transform with Travel podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of inspiration, adventure, and exploration. If you felt inspired by this episode, please rate and review in whatever streaming app you're listening from. This allows us to spread the word even more and continue to serve up weekly doses of adventure. As always, we'd love if you could share the episode with someone in your life who you think will benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. This is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring.